1: Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Delighted to be with you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. As many of you know, Carol is the Senior Vice President of Social Responsibility at WellMed Medical Management and Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Carol has a distinguished career career in aging, working with seniors. She's past chair of the Board of Directors for the National Council on the Aging. She's been a member of the Rays Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, she holds a master's degree in social gerontology and nearly 30 years experience in the field of aging and caregiving. Carol is one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging. And Carol, it's great to have you on board.
3: Well, it's always nice to be with you, Ron.
2: Well, we're going to be joined by Doug Beach, who is the uh, has been the board chair and is now executive director of NAMI uh, here in uh, the San Antonio chapter, National Alliance for Mental Illness. Uh, And and I know it's an issue that uh, for many caregivers can be a real challenge.
3: Well, it is a special issue and it has unique challenges that um, really can test uh, the caregiving situation as well as the systems we have and don't have in place.
2: And we're going to find out from Doug the kind of help that may be available here and nationwide. Uh, May is National Mental Health Awareness Month, so it is fitting that we have Doug Beach joining us. Doug is an advocate for better mental health. He is currently, has been president of the San Antonio chapter of NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. He's nationally known as an advocate for mental health services. The National Alliance of Mental Illness is a nationwide grassroots mental health organization. And in Doug's experience over the years, he has had a large, large hands on experience with the mental health system, having had a son who had been diagnosed with a mental illness. And Doug, it is delightful to have you on board. You spent a lot of time working on a very tough issue. And I know one of the things you want to talk about as well is Pathways to Hope, an annual seminar that you sponsor here in San Antonio.
4: Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. And uh, I think as most people are are probably aware, uh, mental health has been uh, an issue for a long time. But with the pandemic, all of a sudden, it really uh, uh, became a bigger issue kind of across the country and certainly, you know, in our community. Um, And I'll, I'll talk about Pathways to Hope in just a moment, but it is a conference that we hold every year. It's free. It's in San Antonio, August 25th and 26th at the Tobin Center. But it's where we try to bring people from across the community together to have a conversation about mental health. So we offer resources, but we also provide a platform for people to talk about how do we do a better job of providing mental health support across the community, not just in hospitals and clinics, but in in, uh, congregations, in schools, in uh, social agencies, and where people work. Now, we
2: know across the country, some 8.4 million people are caregivers for an adult with a mental or emotional health issue. According to uh, NAMI, and caregivers of adults with mental or emotional health issues spend an average of 32 hours a week providing unpaid care. Uh, NAMI provides uh, support as a nationwide organization. Uh, Let's begin with the beginning, Doug Beach. If you're a caregiver, uh, what should you look for? as a potential mental health issue with your care recipient?
4: Well, first of all, um, NAMI is a, we're a grassroots organization. So people are like me, uh, typically with a family member or they themselves have a mental health diagnosis. And one of the most important functions that we play is uh, providing that support for a person uh, living with a diagnosis. Excuse me. So, for example, if you have a, um, a person in your family, in this case, who's a senior, uh, you know, as you reach that age, uh, seniors often have issues related to depression uh, or, or and for a lot of different reasons, you know, it could be their overall health condition, could be financial, uh, could be a trauma that they've experienced. Uh, and so it means that a person who is a caregiver, another family member it means that they need to become more educated about what those mental health issues are and recognize the signs and the symptoms of when a mental health issue might be arising uh trying to treat any uh mental health any health issue without knowing much about it is is uh Not not a very good prescription. So we encourage people to to learn, first of all, about mental health, mental illness, signs and symptoms. And then NAMI teaches a class, for example, called Family to Family. Uh, It's where a family member like myself who has been through uh, the classes and the training teaches other families about how to take care of a family member, how to listen, how to communicate, how to be empathetic. Uh, and again, signs and symptoms, and what's a crisis plan, and how do you respond when there's an issue that comes up? Now we know. In well, your Doug, own...
3: I want to. I want to. I'm sorry, Ron. No, go um, ahead, Carol. I just wanted to. Fo- I wanted to follow <clears throat> up on something really important that Doug said: um, the prevalence of mental health issues in older persons. A lot of caregivers, a lot of people, don't understand that depression goes hand in hand with a myriad of other. Um, you know, comorbidities, other illnesses. So, um, diabetes and depression, Alzheimer's and depression. So there are a lot of chronic illnesses that actually exacerbate depression that's already there. And so for families, the kind of training, Doug, that you're talking about, it can really be an eye opener. They don't even realize, um, that this is not quote normal
4: well i think that's exactly the point uh and what we encourage people to be observant of is when do you notice changes in the behavior or the personality or the habits of uh, of, of somebody and some of those uh, for example uh changing sleep patterns uh lack of socialization um uh, substance use more more use of alcohol or drugs all those can be symptoms of a mental health issue. And you mentioned, um, issues that may uh, exacerbate uh, a mental health issue. For example, uh, uh, I had a family member just go through surgery, major surgery. People don't understand that when you have these major events like that, they're very, very stressful. So stress is one of the biggest uh, causes of uh, mental health issues. And as we know, as you, uh, as you get older, Uh, sometimes you have more issues to worry about and be concerned about.
2: Stay with me just a minute. I'm going to let folks know who just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernil, and we're talking with Doug Beach, Executive Director of NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Health. And we're talking about especially what caregivers can do, should do, may be able to do uh, to help a care recipient who's struggling with a mental illness. And Doug, we should also keep in mind that uh, talk about stress as a trigger for mental health issues. Caregivers are under enormous stress.
4: Uh, well, you you hit that one on the head. Um, I think anybody that, what I recognize is that anybody who's a caregiver who has been providing support for somebody with a mental illness or any other type of illness, they themselves begin to have, suffer some of those same mental health issues um, because of the stresses. So, uh, for example, I think uh, people, oftentimes families that have a mental person with a mental illness, they get traumatized by the behaviors, uh, by the issues that you have to deal with uh, to care for somebody uh, with a mental health issue. So, you know, it's the same old thing. You have to take care of yourself first. And that's one of the best prescriptions. If you're going to be a caregiver, you better make sure you're taking care of yourself.
2: Uh, Talk to us a little bit, and you've been open about this, your own uh, situation in which your son uh, was afflicted with a mental illness. Uh, When did you become aware of it, and how did it affect you and your family?
4: Yeah, so uh, I think we first noticed it uh, probably right after college, uh, which is very typical. Uh, 50% of mental illness begins by age 14, 75% by age 24. Uh, It often goes undiagnosed. People don't recognize it as a mental illness, and so uh, again, statistically, people wait 10 to eleven years after their first uh, episode before they typically get uh, professional help. Uh, so how does it uh, how does it affect the family? Uh, it, it really pretty much changes everything. And I think what we were fortunate enough uh, to do is we were fortunate enough to find NamI, National Alliance on Mental Illness and nami had the uh, not only the classes but the people that go to the classes the people that you begin to listen to and learn from and all of a sudden you realize wow i'm not the only one in fact one out of five people will experience a mental health disorder this year which means over a lifetime that's 47% of people that's a For big number us, it's a huge number and in our community uh, if you look at uh, the number in we you know two point two million people in Bear County today, uh, about uh, one hundred and forty thousand of those people have a serious mental illness, which is chronic and requires uh, professional help. That's a huge number, and our systems are just not adequate to provide care for that uh, number of people. Another reason why a caregiver needs to be well informed because the reality is it's sometimes many times it's hard to get care.
3: Well, it is hard to get care. And, you know, especially, you know, we talk about parity. We talk about there should be as much mental health care as physical health care. Are we there yet?
4: Uh, We are definitely not there yet. And NAMI has been one of the leaders in the country and, and, working towards parity and it's actually parodies on the books it's a law uh, but it is not effectively enforced uh, because it uh, comes through primarily the insurance companies uh, who authorize payment those the insurance industry is regulated on a state-by-state basis and uh, we don't have parity and all you have to do in fact Psychiatrists are, are paid at a rate of about 25% less, 20-25% less than other physicians, than other medical doctors, uh, and that's across the board. So we're not compensating mental health professionals at the same rate that we do other healthcare professionals. And what does that do? Well, it, it means that you don't attract, attract as many people into the profession wow. and it makes makes it harder for people to get an appointment.
2: Stay with us just a minute. We're going to come right back to you and find out how perhaps <clears throat> NAMI can help people access mental health services across the country. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zorniel. Doug Beach is with us. He is executive director and a former board president for NAMI. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. We're so pleased you are sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zornil. We're talking with Doug Beach, executive director of NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, former president of that organization here in San Antonio. as part of the nationwide NAMI network. And we're talking about how to get help, where you can find help, and how NAMI perhaps can assist. Doug, for the caregiver who needs help, who needs a mental health intervention, how
4: do they get it and what can NAMI do? A couple things. One, we we operate a well, uh, excuse me, a warm line during normal business hours. And that's a line that, you know, it's not a crisis. It's not a 911 call. Uh, It's a call that you need to make sometimes when you're just not sure what you're dealing with or you need to know where there are resources. And that's our office number uh, here in San Antonio at the NAMI office. So, number one, we have a warm line where people who are knowledgeable about where to get resources answer that call and can help you figure out, is this something that you need to pursue? Secondly, um, I think our classes are a great uh, place to go where when you meet other people, you meet the instructors, you begin to learn about where those resources are in the community. A third opportunity is in San Antonio. We have something called Sacred dot org. That's SACRD, San Antonio Community Resource Directory. It's online. It's bilingual. It's in Spanish and English. And if you you can look up by zip code, in other words, where you live, uh, you can look up by zip code what the resources are for a variety of services, including mental health services.
2: Now, would that work for people who don't live in San Antonio? Uh, Caregiver SOS on air uh, has a national audience.
4: So uh, this is a service that's, that uh, is provided for people in Bear County but, uh, and in the contiguous counties. So nationally, uh, I would say check with your NAMI affiliate and find out. Uh, that's the first call I'd make uh, and talk to them. And they can also help you, direct you to resources.
2: And there are NAMI affiliates all over the country?
4: There are 650 NAMI affiliates throughout the country. And all you have to do is just Google uh, NAMI.org and, it, and look up your state, and it will tell you uh, where those affiliates are. Or you can just Google, you know, your community name, NAMI Cincinnati, and uh, and you'll find the resources there.
2: Now, for the caregiver who's looking for help, and they call your NAMI warm line or their local NAMI affiliate, what kind of help can you provide?
4: Well, the uh, the most important thing we do is we give them the contact information. Uh, and we, we help them navigate their way. We do not provide clinical services, but we can tell you where you can get clinical services. We're not a food pantry. We're not, uh, we don't provide those kind of services. Ours are primarily support and information. So one of the most important things you can find you, that you need as a caregiver is if you, if you think you're going to do it alone, it ain't going to work. So one of the things that you need are other people who are going through similar circumstances or who have been through those circumstances. And NAMI operates not only classes, but we operate support groups across the country.
2: Now, we know that uh, statistically white males, 65 and over, are at higher risk for depression and suicide. Uh, Is that something caregivers need to be especially aware of?
4: Uh, Definitely. I mean, I think. Again, like any other illness, uh, educate yourself. You know, if you have diabetes, if you have heart disease, if you have any other illness, you're going to educate yourself as much as you can. And, and you're going to talk to your family physician or your primary care doctor. Uh, in the case of mental illness, uh, there's a lot of information today uh, on the Internet that will help educate you as to what that illness, uh, what the signs and the symptoms are. For depression, there's a lot of information there, but it helps you navigate. It helps you understand what's a, what's a behavior that's a result of depression and maybe what are other behaviors that, um, you know, you don't need to be as concerned about.
2: Carol, do caregivers know enough about this or, and, and uh, how do we educate them?
3: You know, NAMI really is a terrific resource, and the good news is there are resources specifically for caregivers and for caregivers of older adults. NAMI's done a great job in looking at that high risk uh, that we see in older persons, particularly older men. Uh, so I encourage you to go to the website and check out the materials.
2: So Doug, as you take a look at the kind of issues that you face, uh, what about funding? Is there enough money out there to provide the mental health services that people need?
4: Well, uh, every, one of the things that you can look up if you're out around the country and other states, you can find out how your state scores on providing per capita funding in your state for mental health services. Texas happens to rank 50th uh, uh, out of 51, including District Columbia. So um, is there enough funding? Not by a long shot. Uh, we don't fund mental health care the same way we fund other health care. Uh, and part of it is the parity issue that you talked about uh, that you brought up earlier. Uh, when we don't um, provide for the same compensation to health care professionals for mental health that we do for other illnesses, guess what? Uh, they, don't, <laughs> they don't spend as much time and devote the same resources. I would say most health institutions, hospitals, et cetera, uh, many of them lose money on providing uh, psychiatric care. So, yeah, it's it's not well-funded. What about the shame and
3: stigma?
4: Go
2: ahead, Carol.
3: No, I, I wanted to follow up before, you know, to talk a little bit about, you know, Texas is, is one of the states that has, is, has high gun use. There are a lot of states that are now saying we're going to balance out gun violence because it's committed by people with mil- mental illness by supporting mental health programs. How would you respond to them?
4: Well, number one, um, the people who have a mental illness are typically no more prone to violence than the average person uh there are some ex- there are some uh, uh definite exceptions to that, and I would say the one that comes to mind most is untreated- uh serious psychosis so again, people who have a serious mental illness who have been untreated uh and who have been allowed to just deteriorate so that is uh a segment of the population with mental illness that we do need to be concerned about. Uh, those are the most ill, of the most ill, and their and uh, extreme psychosis. Uh, treating, trying to treat gun violence by uh, treating mental health is is not a very good expenditure of money. Uh, we would be much better off by treating uh, mental health in general. But as far as guns and gun violence, I, I don't really think you want to associate the two. Um, I think one of the statistics I've seen is that when there are more guns available, people who might be a harm to themselves uh, are more at risk. So it's not necessarily a harm to other people, but it may be a harm to the person with the illness. And depression is a good example. I think statistically, again, uh, probably 90% of the uh, death by suicide uh, is due to serious uh, depression. But Doug, well, and
3: here. I think that's the that's the point, right, is that um, a lot of people with mental illness are victims of crime. They're not always the perpetrator. And we see suicide. So when you see gun violence, it usually is suicide rates among people with depression or who are suicidal. And so that that broad brush we sometimes see in the media is a disservice to people with mental illness and does not necessarily help us with the system we're trying to build.
4: Couldn't agree more
2: but often it's the knee jerk response after a mass shooting of some kind uh, that well it's a mental health issue automatic knee jerk response
4: well i think that you know partly we're we're sort of victims of uh when there is a shooting uh it's kind of like well we got to do something you know so let's uh let's turn to mental health and so i think it's a canard uh in many respects it's a false issue it's a false way to think about this. Uh, So we're better off not necessarily tying the two together. That may be heresy for a lot of people. Uh, And again, there are uh, very specific exceptions uh, to this issue of gun violence and mental illness, but it's it's, uh, a very small number of people who are severely psychotic.
2: Got about a minute left, Doug, and before we let you go, uh, come back to your own situation. You mentioned uh When you realized your son was suffering uh from mental illness, it totally changed your family's life. What does that mean?
4: Well, I think just like if you have any member in your family who is suffering in some way i you know whether it's uh cancer or anything else uh it changes your uh level of concern and compassion and it it's a big it's a big stressor so I think that you become Pretty focused on well, how do I um, how do I help my family member, and how do I help them get to recovery? So the you know the the uh, the long story, or the the long side of this is that our son is doing very well today, and that people typically you know eighty to ninety percent of the time, uh, if they have a mental illness and they get help, and they have support systems. And they do the other things they need to do: diet, exercise, socialization. They get better, and there there are is a good life and a good livelihood available to many, many, many people with mental health issues. Uh, and we see that in our society. We see the number of uh, uh, you know people who have come out in public, uh, athletes, uh, performers. Um, they learn how to manage. Uh, their mental illness or their mental health issue. That's the message that we want everybody to have, is that recovery resiliency is possible, uh, but it takes a supportive family and a supportive community.
2: Got to stop you right there. It's a perfect way to end this. I really appreciate you coming on board, Doug Beach. NAMI.org would be a place to go for information. Doug Beach, thank you. For Carol Zernial. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zernial and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS
1: On Air.